Most of the time, we review books that we really like here on The Book Boys. Other times, we review books that stink. And when a book really stinks, we get fussy. So this is a warning that sometimes we'll swear on this podcast, or sometimes the material that we're reviewing will be adult in nature. So keep that in mind as you listen to this week's episode. Well, no, there isn't. You'll, you'll, you'll clean it up in post. I hate that. I hate this. I hate the remote part. Why'd you have to go and get COVID? Hey, Ben. Uh, hey. <laughs> you got COVID. Explain yourself. Wow, that's a HIPAA violation. Why are you telling people that? That's my own personal business. Yeah, I'm it's not your you. personal business when you're at a cornhole competition and everyone there is COVID. <laughs> now everyone's got it. You just became a, a, a COVID uh, spreader. You're at a super spreader event, and it's your job to tell the rest of us why and how. What do you mean, why and how? Why were you at a, a cornhole event? It was for charity, okay? I'm a good person, that's why. A cornhole event for charity? What the hell is that? Yeah, we're good people. We raise money for charity. It's like if I, I had a, a if I had a watch me drink beer and eat burgers for charity event, and I just have one burger and like a bunch of beers. I'm like, well, I'm satisfied and get up and leave. Uh, how is cornholing inspiring for an Ooh, event? People donate a lot of money. It raises a lot of money. Okay, it's a good cause. All right. Was this through your work or something? Or was this a? I don't know. No, it's an annu- annual thing I go to. It's a friend thing up north. That's weird. Did you start this? Was this your idea and that's why you're so offended? I'm making fun of the cornholing as a charity event? No, I didn't start. I just, why are you so bitter about everything? Jesus <laughs> Christ. A bunch of people get together, try to get money for a good cause, and you're just bitter about it. Like, well, why is it going to a beer and eat a burger? Are you going to pay me for that? <laughs> yeah, for the starving children? Yeah, you bastard. All right, fine. So it turned out to be a super spreader event. Uh, how yeah, did you find out? It's because they're all what? hicks, and they don't wear masks or get vaccinated, and that's the reason why it became a super spreader event, and you're just around them? Because uh, it's cornholing? I would assume so. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Now you understand why cornholing doesn't sound so great as a charity event, because of the class it's of people you bring to it. Raise thousands and thousands of dollars, so it was, it was still a good event. It was still worthwhile. Like twos of thousands of dollars? Um, I don't know what the final tally was. All right. Was it more than $2,000? Oh, yeah, it was way more. Okay, was it $200,000? Uh, it was way less than that. Yeah, because it's all hicks at a cornholing event. They don't have enough money to give. <laughs> you gotta pick a classier event, like golfing for charity. Oh, you'll get all the rich people there, and they'll donate like crazy. I don't yeah, know why the rich people up in uh, rural northern Minnesota, yeah. <laughs> was this White Bear Lake? <laughs> Is that where you went? <laughs> no, I said rural northern Minnesota, not suburban. Is White Bear Lake Suburban? Jeez. I always make fun of that name because it sounds like one of your classic Minnesota town names. That in Chaska sounds like a perfect yeah, Minnesota those are, town. Yeah, those are just suburbs. They're like third-tier suburbs. Let's move on. Oh, so how did you find out it was a super spreader event? There is uh, about $20,000, okay? Oh, wow. Well, that's pretty good yeah. for a bunch of people that don't make any money and, and probably do meth and stuff. Did they all, <laughs> did they all, most of them didn't have teeth, right, I imagine? They're all smiling and you couldn't see anything in there? They're, they're simple folk. We can say that. <laughs> Opiate addictions, I'm imagining. All right. So beyond the yeah. money that you raised, and congratulations on raising that much money, uh, uh, wh- how did you find out that suddenly you should get tested? Uh, someone who I was in close contact with up there said that he had tested positive, so I tested. I was having some very, very mild symptoms, which... Somebody else who I was around just had a cold, so I thought maybe I just had a cold. But no, it turns out, 
Turns out it was COVID. So, oh, well, thank God for vaccines. That you yeah. didn't, uh, you know, go to the hospital or anything. So, yeah, I'm I'm vaccinated. It was very very mild because I'm vaccinated. Well, nice work. And I believe in science. <laughs> and I've been isolating since then. I haven't left my apartment since Saturday. Oh, so you're almost at the one week point. Yeah. How are you surviving? Do you have friends bring you stuff? Is your mom bringing you stuff? What's going on? No, you can pay strangers to bring you stuff. So that's oh, okay. That's well, that's that nice. works. All right, fine. Yeah. Even yeah. your uh, dirty magazines? Do they have that as part of the uh, the, sh- the shopping, the online shopping <laughs> thing? You know what I found out? <laughs> you can get all those online now. It's just <laughs> digitally. Wait, what? You don't need print pornography anymore. It's all just available at the click of a mouse. Who knew? I'm so glad I learned this now because I have that one adult magazine down in here in my basement. And uh, I've been thinking, maybe I should upgrade. This one's from 1987. Uh, I should probably get a new one. But I can just get on the internet and I can just look at it uh, without purchasing another actual magazine. Well, that's great because they don't sell them at the gas station anymore like they used to. I know. You have to go to one of those special adult bookstores. Which are harder and harder to find these days. Yeah, that's weird. Is that because of the internet? I'm going to move on. So, uh, you got tested. You came back positive. Thank God you didn't come over here uh, to record last weekend. Uh, because then yep. I'd have to get tested and have to go through all that crap myself. Uh, yep. I just did it recently with my oldest. Uh, she had kind of a mild cold as well. And then she was like, yeah, so you should, uh, we should probably get tested. And I was like, oh, God damn it. So we went and got tested. And I found out it takes three days because getting tested is not as, I don't know if it ever was easy before and is less easy now, but it isn't that easy. Like we went to Walgreens and there was a huge line to get tested and uh, they didn't have the like two hour test they promised they had on the website when we went there that we signed up for they it's like you're the oh. three business day test and you couldn't find one that's shorter than three business days or whatever and so i was like ah, crap yeah mine was a few days i was i was sweating out my my results for a few days yeah so that kind of stinks i don't know if it was easier before or something but yeah it was weird now so thank god you know, I didn't have to go through all that all over again but uh yeah well anything else going on in your life besides contracting a, a pandemic disease uh, I mean, I started that new job, so that's cool. Yeah, how's that going? Uh, well, it's all remote, so that's nice. Because since I can't leave my apartment anymore, it's nice I don't have to for work. So, yeah, that's good. Working out well. Yeah. Did you tell them like your first day? Uh, let's welcome Ben to the team, and everyone's like, "Hi, Ben." You're like, "I, I have COVID." <laughs> your first day. <laughs> I also thought, I know you'll like this. I, I told him, I have COVID. I also have a podcast that you should listen to. Because <laughs> yeah, that's always, yeah, for anyone that doesn't know the context of that joke, uh, I'm always telling Ben, stop. Anytime you try to date people online, you always tell them you have a podcast. Cut it out. And don't, when you go to a new job, don't tell them you have a podcast, you weirdo. But Ben does it every damn time. Yeah, so anyway, I can't say anything bad about this place now because they all are listening, I'm assuming. Shut up. They're not listening for real. You actually didn't tell them. No, I didn't. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Yeah, I promised myself no one I know would ever listen to this podcast. And over the last couple of years, uh, it's bled out by accident and just people wearing me down. But even coworkers, that's the one. That's the worst one. Like certain coworkers have found out. Yeah. And I can't I can't talk about the last job either because, um, yeah, of course, I'm bound by the. Uh, non-disparagement clause of the non-compete that I signed when I 
started there. So um, I would love to talk shit about that place, but I can't. Yeah, I know. I'll bet you that that doesn't have any legal standing, but who wants to go to court and spend the money to make sure that that actually doesn't have any legal standing? Because those things never yeah, have I don't, any legal standing. They always do. Yeah, I don't want to go to court against right-wing nutjob Martin Davis, who owns Cambria Company. Oh, shit. Oh, the one that hosted uh, Donald Trump at his house while Trump had COVID and spread it to everyone that was in that room in his place? Yeah, that one. I would definitely not want to disparage his company. No. Because I would lose that in court, I'm sure. It also spread to the people of Manny's Steakhouse in Minneapolis on 6th Avenue, right off of Hennepin. It's great and easy to get to. Uh, and yep. hosted them, or they Just, they did the catering and got them all sick, too, at his palatial estate on Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> and if you're at Manny's Steakhouse, just uh, write the promo code BOOKBOYS in your cap for 10% off the steak. <laughs> if you just write BOOKBOYS on a napkin and slide it to them and wink, uh, you'll get 10% off any steak or potatoes. Uh, what do they serve there besides steak? I know that just because of their name. I've been there a few times. Anyways, um, yeah, it's too bad you can't talk about that. There is stuff about him publicly you can absolutely talk about, like the fact that he hosted Donald Trump while Trump had COVID uh, at his palatial estate yeah. at Lake Minnetonka and invited uh, Manny's to cater, which got them all sick, too. And they continued to deny that COVID is a thing, even though everyone involved in that scenario got sick as hell. <laughs> yeah. Though he didn't, did I, he? Isn't that the way the devil works? <laughs> like the I, evil people uh, never get sick and die? <laughs> yeah, word is his son got it, but he didn't. I don't know. It's, yeah. And I also, so I certainly can't talk about how right before I left, they were talking about changing the uh, the seating arrangement on the third floor where I was, all the marketing people, and um, it was taking a long time, and I found out it was taking a very long time because the new seating chart had not yet been formally approved by Marty Davis, the president and CEO of the company, because he needs to approve the seating chart like it's fucking kindergarten or something. So He's got a lot of people I, at his company. He doesn't need to, it's not like he's got 20 people in the company. He doesn't need no. to have a hand in that decision. That's weird. You wouldn't think so. You wouldn't think the, the new seating chart would need to go for CEO approval, but it does. So. Do you think Steve Jobs did that kind of crap at Apple when he was alive? Like, uh, I've noticed that these breaks are a little bit longer than I want, and I also don't like that Helen is sitting next to Steven. <laughs> He's just really involved in everyone's shit. <laughs> yeah, probably. Maybe. I don't know. Is that just a thing for... Is that how one gets to be a successful business owner? You have to be fucking crazy. Yeah, just a human pile of shit. Uh, Steve Jobs is a human pile of shit. Uh, learned all about him. What a cock. Uh, not surprised that uh, so many people... Well, the Theranos woman, she emulated the hell out of him, which makes total sense because she was corrupt as hell and now she's <laughs> going through court. <laughs> yeah, I feel a little bad for her because I feel like she's maybe also mentally ill. But You think yeah. so? Yeah, I've seen the documentary that was on HBO with her making, she was making her voice intentionally, comedically, yeah. cartoonishly low <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I remember back when that was a real company, I went to CVS one time for some reason. <clears throat> I think it was CVS that was doing the Theranos thing. And they yeah. had a giant banner with her face and she was holding up a vial of blood and staring at the camera with those weird dead eyes of hers. And, uh, <laughs> And so, like, I remember looking at the banner like, Jesus, that's like the worst possible model on earth you could pick to support your product. I didn't realize it was the CEO of the company. Because <laughs> I didn't know anything about him at the time. Oh, well. Oh, me? Yeah, how about you? Oh, well, thanks for asking, Ben. I'm always uh, yeah. so appreciative. Or is that, that none of my business? Show, uh, well, there's, 
a lot going on that's none of your business. But one thing that is uh, something that you are uh, privy, you're privy on the inside uh, to understand, is that my car broke down Yep. last Friday. My car that I have not serviced in the almost 10 years that I've owned it. Oh, I get the oil changed, but I do not service it. That could be a problem. Yeah, it's a problem. I have a thing about my personality that isn't useful to myself. One is I get a car and I'm like, yeah, I'll get the oil change and change filters and stuff. But no, I'm not taking it into the dealership because they're just going to rip me off. And like, no, I'm not going to take it to some independent car automotive place because they're just going to rip me off. And so I just keep driving them into the ground. So this one lasted nine years uh, and I never brought it in for servicing, like changing spark plugs and useful things like that. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it eventually just kind of died on the side of the road. Uh, I also had the same problem when my mortgage person came over, burp, yesterday. And Your uh, mortgage person died on the side of the road, too? No, she didn't die on the side of the road. She came over and because uh, I was refinancing my mortgage. And so she came over and was going to sign papers and stuff and go through that whole process. And then she's like, so have you homesteaded your house? And I said, no. And she goes, what? And they always get so mad when they find out that you, you own a house and you're not homesteading because it costs you an extra like $200 in taxes a year. And when I owned the condo before this house, I didn't homestead e- then either. So when I got this place... Can, can you explain that to me? What does that mean? Uh, apparently not across the entire country, but in the state of Minnesota, if you have one home that you want to claim as your main home, you get a small tax break by going to the to the city hall and turning in your paperwork to show that you own this home and you're going to say, this is my home that I homestead. Like, this is my home. If I own a cabin or if I own a place in Florida, I'm not homesteading there. Those are extra places and you can tax the hell out of me for them. But this place, I want a small tax break. That's what homesteading is. So I didn't homestead my condo. And then when I was buying this place, my realtor's like, you're not homesteading? What are you, a moron? He got real, real angry. And I just thought it was hilarious. And so then they, when I bought this place, they actually packaged up all the paperwork I need to just go to City Hall and drop it off and walk away. I still haven't done it because I'm too lazy. And so <laughs> this lady showed up yesterday, asked if I was homesteading. She just got so mad. <laughs> they all get so mad. And so she's like, why don't you, why aren't you homesteading? I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> I was just being belligerent about it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little annoyed with you right now, too, now that you've explained Yeah, see, and it's not like it's like, oh, my God, I'm missing out on thousands of dollars, tens of thousands. It's just like uh, 100 bucks or 200 bucks max. And she's like, well, you're missing out on money every year. I'm like, well, I know it's dumb and that I'm lazy, but it's like 100 bucks. It's not like it's really completely screwing me over where, I don't know, it just seems silly. So the more she was, like, getting angry about it, the more belligerent I got. Where she's like, well, if I, I'm going to call right now and I'm going to get this number. Are you going to use this information? She's going, mm, probably not. Because <laughs> she's being obnoxious about it. I was kind of proud of myself. Uh, so same thing with cars. I'm not taking it in, so that thing died. I paid about 1200 to get it fixed. Whatever. Uh, that's the life of Glenn as a car owner. And uh, so now it's back and working again. And then today I got teeth pulled out of my head and so my mouth hurts a lot and it won't stop bleeding and that's pretty much catching up for old glenn <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> thanks <laughs> i still have two more teeth that gotta come up boy i'm not looking forward to that because today sucked is that because you just belligerently refused to like 
brush and floss or what? No, I brush and floss, but I have wisdom teeth. I've told you this before. I've got four wisdom teeth, and they're all in my head, and they're all bad. They've gone bad a long time ago. And every dentist is like, yeah, your teeth look good. Those wisdom teeth got to come out. And I go, mm, maybe later, just like I do with the, uh, the homesteading. And then uh, just every year, over and over. And now I'm convinced that uh, my breath stinks, so I'm finally getting them pulled out. And uh, boy, was it a process. They had to like they had to do whole surgery on one of them and stitch me up and everything. Yeah. So weird. Well, yeah, that's that's how it works. Um, what was wrong with the car? Out of curiosity, spark plugs. I had a gasket blue, and so there's oil everywhere. Well, I was gonna say, yeah, spark plug. If the spark plug cost you twelve hundred bucks, you got ripped off, buddy. No, I know. Gasket blue. There's oil everywhere, so they had to clean all that stuff oh. out. Uh, a bunch of belts were, you know, almost ten years old, so they were dying. <laughs> there's just a lot of shit okay. altogether. Uh, I love that the notes that came with it when they're like, okay, here's, here's a list of what was repaired. And, uh, here you go. And I was looking through them and I saw one said dashboard lit up like a Christmas tree because of all the error messages everywhere. <laughs> and I go, ah, you know, they would have nickel and dime me for the last 10 years. So in the end, 1200 bucks, I'm probably making a, I'm probably getting away with, uh, with murder. Like I'm paying less than I would have if I kept bringing it in every year. That's my philosophy. That's how I feel good about it. Yeah, sure. It's like the homesteading. I refuse to uh, admit that homesteading's bad. If I homesteaded right now, what if I wanted to live someplace else and uh, make that my homestead while well, I'm locked into this place? So that's not a mistake I'm going to make. So I'm not going to homestead. Wait, what do you mean you're locked into it? There's That's it? Like, if you homestead your house, like, you can't move? I don't know. I don't care enough. I've never gone and done it. So you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> well, with that, should we move on to Backyard Blast Bird Blurb, COVID boy? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Gretchen's Backyard Blast Bird Blurb. That's the best, hold on, back up. That's the best you can do, we're trying to make this segment exciting, and you just said it like you're, I don't know, you just found out you had cancer or something. Start over, be more fun. Gretchen's Backyard Blast Bird Blurb. <laughs> you said it like a baseball announcer. Gretchen. That was awesome. <laughs> Today we'll talk a bit about migrating. Oh, since that's guns. what a lot of birds are doing right now. You can stop the voice. It's just the intro. God, don't keep doing it. Now it's grating. The main reason why birds <laughs> migrate is for food. Some birds are called complete migrators. They have a set time and pattern of migration. Each year at the same time, they take off for a specific wintering ground. They return in the spring where there are newly hatched insects and plenty of small rodents to eat. Complete migrations often travel great distances, as much as 15,000 miles a year. Why you said, wow, that really changed register. Complete then. migration doesn't always mean heading to the tropics, though. The dark-eyed junco, for example, <laughs> no. is a complete migrator that flies from far northern Canada to spend the winter in comparatively balmy Minnesota. <laughs> Some birds like are partial migrators. <laughs> What? You sound like a monster truck announcer now. Went from baseball announcer to monster truck announcer. <laughs> Some birds are partial migrators. They wait until food supplies dwindle before flying south. Partial migrators only move far enough south to find food. An example of a partial migrator is a goldfinch. <laughs> 
the fuck is happening? <laughs> Eruptive migrators are birds that sometimes only move every three, four, or five years. They only migrate when times are really tough and food is very scarce, sometimes due to overpopulation. <laughs> Nut hatches are an example of eruptive migrators. No, don't do that. <laughs> Can you say goldfinch again? Goldfinch. No, you went goldfinch. <laughs> that was amazing. I don't remember how I said any of that. <laughs> to be honest, I retain nothing that you said because I was so wrapped up in how you said it. It's uh, birds that come down to Minnesota. That's all I know. I and think that's the sign of, of most great narrators is that you don't know what the hell they're saying. You just are lost in how they're saying it. That's true. Your voice yeah. is like a beautiful, relaxing journey. Well, let's move on to the next segment. Knock, <coughs> knock. Who's there? Knock, knock. Who's there? Knock, knock. Who's knock, there? Knock. Kenya. <laughs> Weird. Can you open the door and let me in? I'm guessing that's what it is. Kenya who? Can you guess? Oh, fucking hell. God damn it. I gotcha. <laughs> Knock, knock. I just imagined you pinching my cheek when you said, yeah, gotcha. All right, who's there? Ice cream soda. (sighs) Ice cream soda who? Ice cream soda, people can hear me. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was telling someone oh. recently, it was none of your business, yeah. that uh, okay. I think your mom specifically picks out jokes that I'm never going to be able to figure out. I try really hard to beat her to the punchline, but I can't. That one is impossible. Well, maybe you'll get this one. Knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? Knock, knock. Who's there? Honeybee. Honeybee nice and open the door? I don't know. Honeyboo who? Oh, God, you were very closer. Honey, be a deer and open up. Oh, it's pretty close. Yeah. Oh, look at me. I finally got your mom. I finally got her. Yeah, I got you, yeah. Gretchen. Take that, Gretchen. Let <laughs> yeah, me start getting mean. <laughs> Fuck you, Gretchen. I got you. <laughs> got to try harder next week, mom. <laughs> Think things are slipping. Maybe you got to go to the doctor about that because you're slipping. I got you. <laughs> Hope you don't break your hip when you slip like that. Oh! (laughs) Your glass hip. Oh, God. All right, let's move on to the next section. I don't want to keep making fun of your mom. She's nice enough to keep coming up with this stuff when she doesn't have to. Oh, she has to. section next section next section what's up uh, what, did you just open up a jar of cookies no what was that little noise you just made i was uh get my keyboard in position so i can go to goodreads.com oh all right read the <laughs> read the review um what do you got little dolphins underneath that keyboard it totally made a screeching sound when you did it yeah, I was just like pulling it and scraped against the desk. What's up? Rub. New books for teens that slap. Slap or is it smack? No, I'm forgetting. It's been a while. Slap. S- slap. This week, we're going to read the f- about the Falling Girls by Haley Krischer. <clears throat> Go ahead, Ben. Yep, start typing as fast as you possibly can. 
from the author of The Unforgettable, Something Happened to Allie Greenleaf. Comes <laughs> That's a bizarre name. Comes an intoxicating thriller about the dark paths female friendships can take, set against the backdrop of a high school cheerleading squad. Perfect for fans of Megan Abbott and Kathleen Glasgow. And aren't we all? <laughs> I'm very familiar with Kathleen Glasgow's work. Sh- Shade? Shade, or Sade, probably Shade, and Jadis, Jadis, why are these two weird names? Jadis, <laughs> Shade and Jadis are everything to each other. Ah, uh, they share clothes, all right, toothbrushes, gross, and gross. even matching stick and poke tattoos. Well, that's adorable. Uh, so when Shade unexpectedly joins the cheerleading team, Jadis can hardly recognize who her best friend's becoming. Oh, Shade loves the idea of falling into a group of girls, and she loves the discipline it takes to push her body to the limits alongside these athletes. Most of all, oh, she... Oh, you, know, hmm. you know who else likes discipline is, uh... What's her name from Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> is this one of those books? Uh, I don't think so, unless these athletes start making love to each other during a practice. We're gonna find out if you let me finish, Ben. Uh, have you already okay. found this? Are you reading along? Are you finding out that, like... Every time you read Goodreads, they get it wrong. Where it's like, it turns out it's not girls at all, Glenn. It's it's uh, it's been boys the entire time. I'm like, because somebody's writing it and messing with you. I don't know. I forgot. What's this one called? Oh my god, the Falling Girls by Hart Haley Kirscher. You're a really good typist. <laughs> Taking you that long to type out the Falling Girls. <laughs> I'm going to move on. Most of all, Shade finds herself drawn to the three Chloes, the insufferable trio that rules the squad, including the enigmatic cheer captain whose dark side is as compelling as it is alarming. Jadis won't give up Shade so easily, though, and the pull between her old best friend uh, and her new teammates takes a toll on Shade as she tries to forge her own path. Uh, so one of the cheerleaders dies under mysterious circumstances. Shade is determined to get to the bottom of her death. <laughs> because uh, she knows Jadis, and if her friend is resp- uh, responsible, doesn't it mean she is too? No, it's not. You're not associated with the actions of another person. Uh, in this Wait. compelling, nuanced exploration of the layered, intoxicating relationships between between teen girls... And all the darkness and the light that exists between them, novelist Haley Kersher weaves a story of loss and betrayal and the deep reverberations felt at a friendship's breaking point. So, <clears throat> you can find that on October 5th, in, uh, in only in hardcover, I'm sorry, uh, at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Hudson Booksellers, Indiebound, Powell's, Target, my favorite name, Books A Million, which I should go to sometime and find out what they're about, and also another one, Ben, that you love to talk about. Go on, say it. Walmart. <laughs> Stop stealing no, wait, my. No, not that that's one. mine. You stole it. Oh, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> it's obviously false. Don't go to Walmart. No. Go to Bookshop.org. You know why? Because <laughs> they're on a mission. Don't ask me why. Go on. Why? Just ask me why. Why? I'll tell you why. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Though. You should go to Bookshop.org because. Bookshop.org is on a mission to financially support local independent booksellers. Go to bookshop.org slash shop slash Nuzzle House to check out our affiliate shop, and we'll get paid. Yeah, do we? I mean, so far you've paid us, because you're the only one buying books through that. 
Yep. Pretty cute. I mean, it's adorable that you're so dedicated to this place that does not know who we are, will never give us money, and does not give a crap about you, Ben. Does bookshop.org care that you have COVID? Have they reached out to you at all? No, they haven't. Have they? It's not so much that I'm passionate about uh, bookshop.org. It's just that I'm passionate about their mission of supporting local independent booksellers. I think that's a valuable piece of our community that we have to cherish. And, uh... yeah, sure. And Walmart! Because you stole it from me, I'm taking it back. Well, we're finishing up uh, this week The Naked Face by Sidney Sheldon. A little background of the book, published in 1970. So it's going to be racist. The Naked Face is the first novel written by Sidney Sheldon, so it's going to be very racist. It was nominated by the Mystery Writers of America for the Edgar Allan Poe Award uh, for Best First Novel by an American Author. They didn't care about the racism back then because it was the 70s. In 1984, the novel was adapted as a film directed by Brian Forbes starring Roger Moore and Rod Steiger. Roger Moore reads the audiobook version that I listened to, and uh, he doesn't care about all the racist stuff he's saying as he's reading it out loud. The second adaption of the Ukrainian feature film... Okay, wait, wait, let me just stop. Okay, you're saying a lot about the racism. Hmm. And I, I don't know, that just bothers me because it's like if you're talking that much about the racism, that means you're not talking nearly enough about the homophobia. Yeah, you're right. I was kind of on a roll there, and I kept forgetting to throw in the word homophobic as well. But you're, you, Ben, I want to thank you for correcting me because I to to get through that entire thing without you correcting me about the homophobia. You're right. <clears throat> uh, Roger Moore didn't care about the racism and the homophobia. He just kept reading it out loud and didn't bother him at all. Uh, so apparently, for some reason, uh, in India and also in Ukraine, they made movies of this, probably because that's where racism and homophobia still survives? I don't know. I mean, it survives here, oh, too. Oh, yeah. I think it thrives yeah. there more than it does here. So, background uh, on the depends author? depends on what, what part of the country you're in here. Yeah, that's true. Uh, this author was born racist and homophobic on February 11th, 1917. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you say February 11th? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and he died... That's, uh, that's Gretchen's birthday. Happy birthday, Gretchen. Oh, happy birthday, Gretchen. Even though it's not February 11th right now as we're recording, it's October 1st. He died, presumably still racist and for sure probably homophobic, in 2007 at the age of 89. Sheldon was a prominent in the 1930s for first working on Broadway plays that were probably racist and homophobic, and then in motion pictures uh, that were probably the same way, notably uh, writing the successful comedy The Bachelor and The Bobby Soxer, uh, which won him an Oscar. He went on to work in television where he made racist and homophobic shows that spanned a 20-year period, uh, like The Patty Duke Show, The I Dream of Jeannie, and The Heart to Heart Show. After turning 50, he began writing his best-selling romance, uh, romantic suspense novels such as Master of the Game and The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, I had fun facts, but those are old ones, so I guess I'm pretty much not going to read off those. Do you got any fun facts, Ben? Uh, no, I usually rely on you for that. Oh, only that? Well, <laughs> let's move into, uh, there's one. Oh, of I, the... I could try and find some here. Hold on a sec. <laughs> I'll, re- uh, I'll go back to the first one I, uh, from the first episode, that most of his readers are women. And uh, when he's asked about why his readers are women, uh, he said, I like to write about women who are talented and capable. Most important, retain their femininity. Uh, women have tremendous power. Their femininity, uh, because men can't do without it. So he's still sexist <laughs> and racist and homophobic. <laughs> Uh, three years before his death, the Los Angeles Times called him Mr. Blockbuster and the Prince of Pop Boilers, and they did not call him the Prince of Racism and Homophobia and Sexism. Well, this is the part where Ben does your... You do the overview of the second half of this book. 
You want to do it? Wait, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still looking up some Cindy Sheldon facts. Oh, yeah. Um, well, take your time. Why, why is this on a website called softschools.com? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds both vaguely sexual and highly disturbing at the same time. I don't understand why this is... Soft schools? Softschools.com. <laughs> now I've got to go to, like, the home... This is... Softschools.com provides free math worksheets, free math games, grammar quizzes, free phonics worksheets, and games. Worksheets and games are organized by grades and topics. These printable math and phonics worksheets are auto-generated. Enter the promo code (laughs) BOOKBOYS at checkout for 20% (laughs) off a math worksheet at softschools.com. Why is Sidney Sheldon or whatever, why is he on there for fun facts if it's all math related? (laughs) I don't know. I just... I googled Cindy Sheldon fun facts and softschools.com was the first result. I, I love that. Also, if it's basically math-based, what does soft have to do with it? That's weird. But also, is it like the 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 web designer who made this crappy site? It's just like, I just love his work. I just love his work. So I'm going to have a secret page. <laughs> it's just dedicated just, to this author that I love so much. Just, just a big fan. <laughs> just a real big uh, fan. <laughs> oh, here's a fun fact. He uh, died of pneumonia to do some attention there. Huh. No, I didn't catch that part. Uh, that, you know, I don't know. Old people die of pneumonia. They do it all the time. Uh, not a day goes uh, by when old people doesn't, a person doesn't die of pneumonia. In addition to his uh, Oscar, they won for, what was it, the Bobby Soxers or something? Yeah. <clears throat> the Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. Uh, he also won a Tony Award, 1959. Uh, which was and, a Tony Award? Is that like a plays? What is that? Yeah, yeah, that's place. And then also, he had a Golden Palm Star dedicated to him in 1994 on the Palm Springs Walk of Stars, which I'm assuming is like a low-rent version of the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah, when you said the Golden Palm, I just imagined it was a statue of just a hand with its, like, the hand is tilted back on the wrist, <laughs> so it's just the palms there, <laughs> and, like, the fingers are kind of curled. <laughs> oh. I got the Golden Palm. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. I mean, he is Mr. Blockbuster and the Prince of Pop Boilers, so maybe yep. that's not good enough to get on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Well, he's not really involved in Hollywood, except that he made Heart to Heart and uh, the Patty Duke show, which, as I said in the last episode, he met Patty Duke and just thought she was gangbusters and had to build a show around her. Like, how did he meet her? Was it some some dad? Meet my kid. And he's like, fine. It's just weird. I don't oh, get it. He has a... He has a writer daughter. I want to. I want to know more about Mary Sheldon. Go on, look up Mary Sheldon. We need a fun fact, not just repeating what we already got here. Well, I just found out that Mary Sheldon co-wrote a children's book with her father, Sidney Sheldon, called "The Adventures of Drippy, the Runaway Raindrop." <laughs> I imagine Drippy at some point it's called out. He is not gay, <laughs> and he only strikes a woman if they're mouthy. <laughs> <sighs> oh my god, this is bad. But any any information about Drippy the Raindrop? No, so there's no like plot synopsis or anything. I don't I don't know what sort of adventures Gypsy has. <laughs> what kind of adventures would you have? I was in the sky, I, I fell down on the ground, then I just got spread out into nothingness <laughs> into the pavement. <laughs> Does he have an adventure? Maybe we should review I, Drippy I sometime. No, let's not. I I want to be done with the Sheldons. <laughs> Do you? Because yeah. I feel like you picked this book, so maybe you secretly enjoyed it. 
did I or did you? I don't know. I just don't remember how this book. I don't either. We have like because you keep saying like, well, how about this book? I'm like, where did this come from? You're like, uh, it was part of our list from a few months ago. I'm like, it was. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> so I keep thinking you're picking them, but all right, go on, Ben. Give your uh, your review of what we read. Chapters which through which is it like ten through whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Did we, did we read the first 10 last time? So now we did 11 through... 23. End, I don't know. Yeah, it's like 23. Yeah. That's the reason why like, I was picking up where I left off. I'm like, wait, we stopped at 10, but that's not like even. So now we've got well, like was, 13 chapters to read. Yeah, but it was like even in page count. Oh, got it. All right. Well, go on. Starting from chapter 11. Uh, go on, people. Uh, people. Go on, Ben. Tell the people what happened. Um, Yeah, so our idiot psychiatrist friend Judd Stevens who's also homophobic and racist is trying to figure out who's trying to kill him uh, he's kind of on the run mm. um, he, he suspects his um, slut movie star patient of his Terry Washburn <laughs> may have done it or maybe behind it uh, not sure why just because she's a skink and she maybe killed somebody else that's, back in the day but yeah really they, quick they that, really that's some of the conclusions that. that they go to in this story it just jumps out of nowhere like well she's a whore yeah. so it's got to be her <laughs> it's just ridiculous <laughs> um, so anyway so he tries to follow that lead a little bit and then uh oh he uh his private eye that he hired uh moody uh was it moody yeah it was yeah moody. it was moody i forgot his first name though but yeah yeah, anyway, Moody calls him and says, hey, I, I know who did it, uh, Don Vinton. And he's like, I don't know any Don Vinton. He's like, yeah, come meet me at this abandoned warehouse to tell you all about it. Which is ridiculous, um, but yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so he goes <laughs> to the abandoned warehouse, and uh, Moody's dead, so that sucks. Yeah. Um, and then uh, trying to piece together and decide who's this psychopath that's trying to kill him and uh, uh, determines it must be a, a Latin type. <laughs> I know because that's the jumps perhaps. that he goes through in this story. They don't really make sense. They're just based on bigotry and hatred of women. Yeah. So, so he deduces that an Italian is after him. <laughs> but he calls him a swarthy man because he meets somebody. Goes, he describes him as swarthy, and I was like, "Ooh, yeah. we Ben and I have been over the word swarthy in the past. That's not a good <laughs> thing to say anymore." <laughs> anyway, so he, he figures out it's the mafia trying to kill him for some reason. Um, also, there's some more homophobia in there. Uh-huh. The jilted, jilted lover is coming after him. Oh, uh, yeah. So that was problematic. A couple of chapters there. Mm-hmm. Um, then he goes back to his apartment and there's like a new doorman there. Oh, that's kind of suspicious. Oh, it turns out it's a hitman. So there's like <laughs> two thugs there waiting to kill him. So he like somehow tricks him into like taking somebody else up on the elevator. Cause oh, I feel like yeah. still pretend that oh, they're working there's in the, the building. The platinum blonde whore. <laughs> In the elevator. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, so he gets, he loses them on the elevator with his little ruse that he does. But then he goes to his own apartment for some reason. And so they easily find him there. Mm -hmm. That seemed odd to me. Yep. Why why bother, like, losing the people who are following you if you're just going to go exactly where they... Anyway, I know um, like you can go any kind of crazy roundabout way where you're like up on the roof and you're like scaling down the yeah. side of the wall, but you're still just in your apartment. They're just there waiting for you anyways. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, yeah. Then uh, I don't know. He calls in some. He called a friend of his. <clears throat> I don't remember how this worked. Why did he just call? the? Oh, I don't know. Anyway. So anyway, he got out of there because like 
they there was some fake like suicide attempt or something, and so like they came to rescue him while the hitmen were in his apartment. Mm. Yeah, um, I vaguely remember that. <laughs> and then uh, he finally figures out that uh, after yeah, there's like this zany chase scene through the hospital, and then. He figures out one of his other patients is behind it. This uh, quite enticing young woman named Anne. Well, he's the one um, that he was falling in love with in the beginning because she wanted yeah. she wanted him to treat her, and she didn't really tell him much. And then she they fell in love with each other, and then she kind of disappeared. But then he called her in the beginning of the second half that we were reading to talk yeah. about how much I love you. She's like, I'm going to Rome with my husband. And then he's like, oh, yeah. I love you. And she's like, shut up. This is forbidden. And whatever. Uh, but then, yeah, he goes to her house. When he starts to figure yeah. out that like, she might be involved, tries to go to her house. It's an empty lot. So then she's got to be the one that did it. That whore. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he calls one. So there's like the good cop, bad cop thing going on. And like, so he calls the good cop or what he thinks was the good cop. But uh, <laughs> tur- turns out that's the crooked cop. And the other guy was the good cop. The so anyway, the crooked cop is with the mob. <laughs> And then he goes, he, he comes with, yeah, yeah, Dr. Stevens, I'll come get you because I'm on your side. I'm a good cop. And then he come and gets them and he brings them to, like, the mob boss's house. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the mob boss just wants to kill him because uh, his wife was his patient. And yep. he was afraid that his wife was just talking about all his business. But she didn't because she's a, the, yeah. he actually said in the book, she's a dutiful wife. <laughs> so she wouldn't talk about the mob boss. She went there to get help yeah. in general, but wouldn't talk about what was going on. And stuff, but she's yeah. so dutiful. She gave him a false address and all sorts of stuff. So she's so anyway, that climaxes with this uh, dramatic fight scene at a factory, and somehow uh, the wimpy doctor somehow beats the big strong mob boss. And uh, well, by pure accident, we're all happy <clears throat> after. Didn't the so okay? Well, then that gets me into this whole thing. Uh, so we'll just kind of overview what happened. Um, my notes, I have one, Moody's sayings, because he was supposed to be in the previous chapter, the previous episode. Uh, he was constantly pulling out down-home witticisms. Uh, so I wrote a few of them down, because it started with, uh, I always say, if you want seashells, go to the seashore. I'm like, well, that's over-the-top, down-home, whatever, fine. But then this one, he was just rattling them off left and right. Like, I always say that sometimes there can be too much information. When he took the bomb out of the car and was going to hide it from the cops... Uh, and then I always say, if you want honey, go to a beehive. And uh, I got an idea who the empire of this ball game might be, but I don't know who the players are. <laughs> it's like, God damn this guy. <laughs> but yeah, so Moody takes over without, he refuses to tell the, the doctor um, what's going on. So he sends him off to like the Catskills, I guess, to go hide out. And makes him yeah. make sure that his car is checked out and like looked at first, so it doesn't break down the side of the road. And then he gets to the hotel, and Moody's already given him like a bunch of sedatives, like just make sure you sleep through the night. So he gives him a bunch of sedatives. So all of it's really controlling and weird. So you start to think, okay, so maybe Moody is the bad guy, because and then like when they wake up in the morning, Moody's there, and he's like, yeah, I looked at your car, and there's a bomb in it, so I've disabled the bomb, and now I'm going to take it. And he's like, why? Why don't you tell the cops? He's like, because the cops don't need to know. Or whatever. So you think that Moody's somebody you don't trust, but this guy's so dumb, he doesn't give a crap. Uh, oh, then for some reason he goes back to his office and starts reviewing all of his delusional clients. And that's how he treats yep. them. They're just all delusional morons. So he's going through all of them trying to figure out which one of you guys is uh, the bad, like the person that's trying to kill me. 
and we found out, so remember Pete, the comedian? We couldn't tell if he's really a comedian or someone that was just like cartoonishly supposed to believe he's a comedian. Uh-huh. Apparently, he's the most famous comedian in America, but as he's saying stuff to him in the recording, the author puts in the word applause whenever the comedian says something zany or funny. So then I couldn't understand what the context of that was, and maybe you'd know better, because I was just kind of cramming all this shit in real fast before we recorded the episode. Uh, Wait, was this from the last episode? I In the last episode, he just talked about, like, I'm a comedian and blah, 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 and I had a great yeah. set and stuff. So you and I were speculating, so is he, like, not really? Because everyone... Yeah, I think it was delusional, right? Yeah, everyone in this story, anyone that's got a problem that they're seeing him with in this story has to be cartoonishly over-the-top, like, mental issues that are just... Yeah. You know, almost non-existent. Like, they're just too ridiculous and too cartoony. So this one guy is like a comedian that's going and talking to him and talking about how he's had a great set and the audience loves him and that kind of stuff. So you and I were thinking, like, maybe he's just a guy that thinks he's a successful... But it turns out he actually is, and we'd learned in these chapters. We, we did. I don't remember learning that he actually was. Oh, I don't know which chapters. Like I said, I plowed through this. But it, we, we did find out, because he says... He should have been put away 10 years ago because he beats up blonde girls and he go, he regularly goes into gay bars to pick up men and beat the crap out of them. But he's actually successful for real comedian that people don't know this dark side of him. That's in the story oh. for sure. So anyways, uh, so we learned that. Uh, but then Terry uh, Washburn's tapes, uh, I got a quote that I picked out of that because he's listening to her tapes. She says, I got a hot hole. And it needs to be filled <laughs> all the time. <laughs> And a, I, I, mm, go ahead. Oh, I, I think you, you didn't quite get that. And, and I didn't quite I get know, what? It, it, you didn't quite get that quote exactly right. Oh, well, please correct me because I'm sure. I swear she said I've got a hot hole <laughs> and it needs to be filled all the time. What did she say? I just got a hot hole and it's got to be kept filled all the time. Oh, for God's sake. It's a little bit different, but I think like. I don't know. For some reason, to like leave out the word "kept" for me like, makes it. Like, you got it. This hot hole of mine has got to be kept full, all right? <laughs> I guess fine, whatever. <laughs> I love you getting anal about that, though. Okay, I'll be honest. You're right. The word "kept" does add a whole new dimension it, to how full that thing needs to be. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like how frequently it needs to be filled. <laughs> Keep this thing topped off, all right? It's real hot. <laughs> I got a hot hole. Top it off. No, don't wait. Don't take your time coming back around. Top it off. <laughs> uh, and apparently she spent some time in Hollywood being mildly famous um, where everyone knows about her, but this guy didn't. And so he. Well, I think like, like very famous, wasn't she? <laughs> she was supposed to be very, very famous, well but, but he like, didn't yeah. know. And he didn't know that the reason why she stopped being famous because she murdered her boyfriend while working <laughs> yeah. in Hollywood. And he's like, oh, really? So she works in Hollywood. Was she a big deal? And they're like, you moron. Have you read a paper? <laughs> uh, so they they go through all that. Um, the whole Anne thing. He learns that Don Vinton is after him, and he doesn't know what that means. Uh, but that he thinks like the, that apparently Don, the, the entire mystery was just kind of, dragging around and just all over the place and just hard to follow uh, for me at least where I was yeah. just like is this is it just that I'm not paying as much attention because I'm trying to rifle through this before we record the episode or is it that this isn't very well done because it's not a clear cut way that he's I, getting clues and coming to a conclusion he's just kind of flailing around all over the place until finally the the cop yeah, it was, shows it was up jumping all over the place and one of the 
thoughts I had was like the plot and the pacing reminded me of the Hardy Boys. It was just like all over the place. Like, okay, yeah, the, this happened. All right, all right, all right, we're gonna go to the airport now. Ah, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. it's not the airport. No, we're gonna go to the big uh, the mansion now. Ah, no, no, we're going from the mansion to the factory now. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, when he's trying to find uh, Anne or Annie or whatever, he he goes to the Avis car rental place at the airport. Uh, yeah. For some reason, he thinks that she's there. I, I don't remember what the logic was that led him there. I don't think there really was any. But I love that he calls out that they have a sign up that says we're second place, so we try harder. <laughs> well, that was their wasn't that a real like marketing? Was it? I'm sure it probably the... was. But that's an amazing line of reasoning for marketing. That's hilarious for me. Um. Anyway, so yeah, it, it goes through, and I do love things like. He finally finds out that Don Vinton only means big man, the big man in Italian. Yeah, because there's, of course, when he goes to the airport looking for Anne, yep. like, there's a group of Italian priests there and they say Don Vinton. And he's like, oh, that just means big man or whatever. Yeah, it's not that he stumbled across that in any reasonable way. It's just pure yep. bad writing happenstance, kind of like, I happen to be a, a near a couple Italians and they said Don Vinton. Yeah just dumb like that's not how that's not anything like, I don't know you'd think that mysteries are interesting because how would I in the real world here find clues to solve a mystery well this book might show me but this book doesn't show you because it's just all bizarre cartoonish crazy stuff um, so I don't remember why he came to the conclusion that it was a rogue cop but because of the, the big man Don Vinton thing he suddenly came to the conclusion at some point that I didn't follow that um, it's a rogue cop because Moody once said that it's a group of men after him, that there must be a big man with a group of men after him. So then he decided it's a rogue cop and that he went on a rant about rogue cops and he said, it's the rogue cop, a rogue cop that can destroy everything that all the rest of the cops have fought and died for. Wait, wait, who do you think said that? Um, I thought it was, uh, what's his name? The doctor. Judd? No. Who said no. that? The, the cop, the not, the clean cop. Oh, well, it was still a cop, right? That, that was like the big, that was like the big misdirect there. Like he thought it was Angeli saying it, but it turns out he was the crooked cop. And it was like the cop that he didn't like the whole time was the one saying, I hate crooked cops. Oh, well still it's the author doing a cop rant. <laughs> so that's what I was just yeah, like, oh, yeah. here's a little message about cops here in the book, you know, to shake all the cops' penises. Um, then oh, also, yeah, Sidney Sheldon was still alive. He'd have a, a Blue Lives Matter flag on his oh, he front lawn. Oh, he absolutely would. And uh, he says the news only ever reports on crooked cops, not on the good ones. But here in our modern times, uh, we understand that uh, the, the whole cop, bad cop, good cop thing uh, is a lot more complicated and muddled. Uh, and there's actually just turns out to be a lot of really bad ones. They're just all over the place. <laughs> so the whole bad apples yeah. thing, it's mostly a basket full of bad apples with a couple good ones in there smoldering and, and melting away. So, um, but do you remember how he came to the conclusion that it was a bad cop? Because I totally missed that thread. I don't understand how he got to that point where he talked to the cop about it and stuff. Again, it was, it was the cop knew it was a bad cop, not Chud. Well, how did, how did Judd know to, the very end. How did Judd know to call him and be like, it might be a cop? And then he'd be like, oh, a bad cop. Or, like, or I don't know. I missed that whole thread. I thought maybe you could enlighten me, but I guess not because you weren't paying attention either. <laughs> no, he, Judd never. He was like the last one to figure out it was a cop. Oh, 
So the cop just talked to him and just said, yeah, it turns out it's a bad cop. Like he just hands it to him that way. <laughs> like he knew the whole time and just wait until the last minute to tell Judd. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh my God. How did that cop start telling him about crooked cops? It's a crooked cop. That's the, the big Vinny or whatever, the big man. How did that connection get the, made? The cop was talking to himself. That was the cop talking cops. to himself. So suddenly we switch the, yeah. the narration switches from our main protagonist to just the cop all of a sudden for no reason. Yeah. Well, this is never like a first person narrative. It was always third person. So I guess it's not first person, but the narrator was always following Judd around through the entire story. It didn't go over to Anne and talk about Anne's point of view. So the fact well, no, that it jumped then, to the well, cops seems weird. That would have given away the whole mystery. So then. It's following Judd around for 90% of the book and then all of a sudden just jumps to the cop thinking, I hate bad cops. That's what happened in that story? I thought they were talking to each other and had this conversation. No, it was just like McGreevy. Was that? The yeah, it's McGreevy. Who, yeah, so McGreevy was just talking to himself like, oh boy, I hate bad cops. So that probably explains why I got confused. Well, <laughs> he just switched. He spent all the story with Judd and all of a sudden just does point of view of McGreevy just talking to himself about bad cops. That's weird. All right, fine. Well, that explains why I didn't get it. I thought they were having a conversation together, and he's learning about this bad cop from McGreevy and putting it together no. that it's this one bad cop, and we're finally moving on the last couple chapters. But no, no, he didn't figure out it was the one bad cop until the one bad cop like literally had a gun in its back and was leading him into the mob boss's mansion. Oh, so all the stuff where McGreevy is talking about how he tried to set it up to make like Judd look guilty for the murders... It wasn't him telling Judd that. He's just thinking it the entire time. McGreevy never talked to Judd about good cop, bad cop. So I don't, I don't know. Okay. Well, that's why I got confused. So that's completely stupid a way to write a story. Because you're getting all this exposition, like, leading up to why we finally find out who the murderer is. But it's not that Judd discovered it. But we've spent 90% of the book following Judd, learning from his point of view, whatever clues he can get his hands on. And then all of a sudden it just cuts to this cop sitting at his desk thinking to himself about, like, sure does suck that I had to make Judd look guilty and put a warrant out for his arrest, which makes me look like the bad guy, but I'm really the good guy, and Judd's not learning any of that. Well, that's no. weird. No, Judd just figured out it was the mafia because, you know, Italians. Um, <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> wow, so that's how we learn about how Annie uh, is actually married to uh, DeMarco, uh, and that she knew about his crimes and went to the shrink for help because she couldn't handle the stress, but uh, she wouldn't tell the shrink anything about it because she's a dutiful wife. This is all the cop thinking it in his own head. So, anyways, then it cut, apparently it cuts back to Judd trying to talk, <laughs> trying to get a hold of Annie and stuff, um, but then he gets scooped up by DeMarco. DeMarco wants to uh, kill him, but then takes him to some location to come see something cool because this is when he found uh, what's-his-name's body, Mooney's body, and so I guess he shows up and he abducts Judd. But then he's, I, I forget where the location was because I was in the middle Wait, of shit. Wait, what? He says, you should come here. You should come. Like, I'm going to kill you. And here's the whole thing. I know that my wife wouldn't talk to you. And I know this and I know that. So I'm going to kill you. But before we do that, let's go to this location. There's this thing over here that's really cool, like a oil refinery or something. Yeah, but that's not where Moody's. But what are you talking about with Moody's body? Because Moody's body was in an abandoned warehouse. Yeah, like. Didn't he scoop him up at the warehouse? Ago. Yeah, I know. Didn't he scoop no. him up at the warehouse? Oh, fine. Whatever. I don't the, care. The, the crooked cop brought Judd to DeMarco, a.k.a. Don Vinton's mansion in the New Jersey woods. Mm -hmm. 
And then from there, they went, they got in the car, Judd got in the car in the back seat with DeMarco, and then the crooked cop and one of the henchmen were in the front seat, and they drove to the factory from the mansion. So what's the factory? What is that location? Is it like an oil refinery? What is it? Because he dies specifically by something from this factory that's supposed to be like, oh, yeah, I want I you to see this. a little confused by that because it was something like pipeline, I thought. But then there was like wood there. I do, are they making pipes out of wood? I, I don't understand what was going on there. I didn't either. And they were really specific about it. And I thought maybe I just glossed over it, but I was still plowing through where he says he doesn't just want to kill me. He takes pleasure in this. So he wants to drag it out by making me come to this place. And he's being friendly as if he's not going to kill me by saying, oh, you should come see this. It's really interesting. I'm like, well, what, yeah, because, what is it? Like, where are we going? I don't understand. Uh, yeah, it's a factory. Yeah, I don't know. It's a factory. He's proud of his factory, apparently, but I, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, right, fine. Well, so anyways, then DeMarco, uh, finally, after a while, showing off whatever the hell this location is that they're at, which has pipes and nozzles everywhere, uh, DeMarco says, I'm going to shoot you in the gut. It'll give you more time to think about Anne. And then that's what yeah. Judd is like. The only way to say oh, wait, we, we should back up before he said he was going to shoot Judd. He did shoot the bad cop and said, ah, because it idiot. he was going to he was going to spill the beans. So I had to kill him and oh. throw him into this factory machine. Yeah. What is it? A vat of something? Just a uh, acid factory? It, was like it just makes acid. <laughs> they kept saying it was like a pipeline factory, but then there was a bunch of wood. There. I don't understand like what sort of pipes and woods. I, I don't know. Anyway. I, I'm glad we can conf- uh, agree on the confusing nature of that part because it's just like your, yeah. your average 1980s movie where it's like Lethal Weapon, where it's like now we're in this factory and we're going to fight. I'm going to push you into a vat or whatever or some sort of Jean-Claude Van yeah. Damme movie where you die in a vat of acid. That's kind of what this was getting set up as, just a random yeah. nameless factory that doesn't do anything specific. Um, and then, so, yeah, the, the guy, DeMarco says he's going to shoot Judd in the gut because it, it's going to take longer for him to die that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Judd is trying to buy time and basically just, like, calls him gay to piss him off. That's, and then get into a fist fight instead of I shooting up. No, he goes, <laughs> yeah, like, I'll think about, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing, so you can look this up and correct me yeah. if I didn't have the word kept in it. But he says, yeah, uh, I, I'll think about her. I'll think about how she was never with the real man. And then he, DeMarco's like, huh? And he goes, where's your balls? <laughs> and at another point, he goes, you're a homosexual. <laughs> yeah, and that really pissed him off. And then he's like, all right, I'm dropping the gun. I'm going to kill you with my bare hands. And they get in this stupid fight. Yep. And, they get and the, then during the fight, so shoves him into the, yeah. Well, Judd won't, and, Judd won't. And, like, Judd won't fight back because he knows that DeMarco's too good at fighting. So he's just sitting there getting punched in the face and everything. And then starts talking about how, you're crazy. You should be locked up. You're an idiot baby. He literally said you're an idiot baby. (laughs) Yeah. And so then he he winds up getting a hold of a valve uh, on a pipe, which he can open up. And it magically kills him. So what came out of the pipe, I don't know, because I don't know what this factory does. (laughs) Well, it it sucked him in. It's like when you open this valve, like there's this like rush of air or something to get the... Oh, so it sucked him in? Like it bent him backwards at his spine? Like a paperclip? Apparently, yeah. That's what it... Yeah. He's like, Judd is holding on for dear life to this valve, because if he lets go, he's going to get sucked into the wooden pipe yeah. Making machine. I don't This is a dumb factory. I don't know what's going on. It's like a freaking Warner Brothers cartoon. It's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just love that I didn't catch on that there's a whole section there where a cop thinks to himself telling us all the answers to the mysteries that Judd doesn't know about yet. But it doesn't matter that Judd doesn't know. He's not going to discover. He just gets picked up by the murderer 
and then brought off to get taken. It's everything's just ridiculous. So in the end, um, he actually realizes. So he uh, McGreevy shows up and shoots a Rocky, who's there with uh, Demarco. Uh, shoots yeah, him. The yeah. yeah, and of course Judd is just this little, little, little tiny bitch boy, little tiny pea baby that he uh, he's just laying there on the ground. He must have been passed out from all the beating. And then uh, McGreevy shows up and and holds him, and then he whispers, "Anne is at the house, and she's in danger." Um, and then he realizes that he enjoyed killing Demarco, uh, and he reflects on how it's a thin oh, line yeah. that separates civilization from the animals. So that's a yeah. The animals being Italians, apparently, <laughs> and whores. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, really quick before I give the last line, um, I did like the elevator scene because he's trying to sneak into the elevator to lose the guys, and it's this whole scene of he talks about this platinum blonde who's from somewhere in the south because she has like a southern accent or whatever. Yeah. And there's these two guys, and they're all drunk. And the two guys are like, well, you can't just say goodnight. Yeah, you got to bring us up to your place for a nightcap. And she's like, I don't know if my husband's going to like that or whatever. And they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, okay, whatever. So just another example of just whores. <laughs> Dirty whores. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the last line, uh, after talking about how the sun was rising and uh, the the thunderheads had moved across or whatever and all this stuff it says uh, it's going to be a beautiful Christmas <laughs> <laughs> was the last line of the fucking book <laughs> oh. just ridiculous well yeah. should we move on to our review of uh, what sucked and all that shit yeah alright fine What sucked? Do you want to start? The racism and the homophobia and the sexism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, got anything else you want to add specific to these chapters? The confusing, jumpy plot. Thank you. That's what I was going to add. Uh, the completely nonsensical jumpy plot. Uh, and now I'm only learning that the narrator just switches point of view, even though they don't have a history of doing it through the whole book. They just do it once with McGreevy. <laughs> back to Judd again for the rest of the story. He's so fucking. Well, that, was, that was the big. That was the big twist, though. That was the big reveal. Yeah, I mean that's when we learned what the story is. But yeah. shouldn't have Judd learned it because we've been following. You know, it's the basics. We've been following him through the whole story. It could be a third person narrator, narrator, but or point of view. It, but we we let Judd learn all this stuff. You don't just cut to a yeah. guy that already knows everything and he just says to himself while he's peeing, ah, oh, sure does suck that I'm the good cop and no one thinks I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's good? I don't see anything redeeming in this at all. I don't see, I, I guess, no. good that he won an award in 1970 because if he wrote it now, he'd never win an award. So, yeah, so good in the sense we can see how far we've come as a society in the last 50 years. I'm thinking good, like in good for him, because I'm sure his ego would have uh, really been broken if he tried to write this today. Uh, and then, like, where's my golden palm award? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess I'll stop writing because <laughs> we'd never have Patty Duke or Heart to Heart if, they, if he got shut down. Uh, what the hell? <laughs> Same stuff for me. Homosexuality, racism, bigotry, sexism, uh, 
uh, Swarthyman. That's a term I love seeing. Do, show do you think, books. like, in his later years, Sidney Sheldon just hung out at cop bars, you know, when he was, like, 80 years old and he was trying to, like, talk to the cops, like, yeah, I, I won a Tony Award back in 1959. <laughs> Boy, you should have seen the gams on Patty Duke. Oh, she was a real liquor back then. She, uh, I really respect what you fellows do. It's too bad there's a couple <clears throat> of bad apples that ruined their reputation. Yeah. Did, did you read the thing I wrote in my first book about how uh, good cops hate bad cops? And they're all like, <laughs> they're all like literally prepared to plant coke on poor people so they can arrest them. Be like, yeah, yeah, we hate bad cops. <laughs> I told Patty Duke when I got sat down for a, a luncheon meeting that her father forced on me. Uh, I said, uh, you seem okay. And then she got up and said, well, if you're not going to give me a show, I'm out of here, Big Papa. And then I said, where are you going on those getaway sticks? I'm going to make you a star. <laughs> yeah, she was a real Bobby Soxer. That's, all. that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. for sure. Oh, she was gangbusters. She's like a bombshell. <laughs> Just like his... <laughs> Well, would we recommend this book? No. Fuck no. Only for anthropologists that want to learn more about the mindset of the 1970s. <laughs> well, with that, uh, is there a section you want to read? I would like it if you read the, the elevator scene, personally. Uh, but I was, do, you, do you got one you want to read already? I was going to read the hot hole scene. Oh, go ahead. Read the hot hole scene. Okay, so... Um, this is uh, Dr. Stevens uh, just pulling up some of his old recordings of his sessions with his patients, and one of them was trying to find a murder. The uh, yeah, he's he's trying to, he's trying to crack the case here, so he's listening to tapes of his old sessions with the uh, horror washed-up actress Terry Washburn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why when you say horror, I just die laughing. <laughs> Let's talk about your marriages, Terry. You've been married five times. Six, but who's counting? <laughs> Were you faithful to your husbands? Laughter. Or am I supposed to laugh? I don't know. Well, it just laugh, says laughter. Do a Louis Anderson laugh. You're doing the Louis Anderson voice. Go, do it. Embrace it. Were you faithful to your husbands? <laughs> <laughs> You're putting me on. There isn't a man in the world who could satisfy me. It's a Physical thing. <laughs> uh, wh- what do you mean by a physical thing? I mean, that's the way I'm built. <laughs> I just got a hot hole and it's got to be kept filled all the time. <laughs> do you believe that? That it's got to be kept filled? <laughs> that you're different physically from any other woman. <laughs> Certainly. The studio doctor told me it's a glandular thing or something. A glandular thing. <laughs> he he was a lousy lay. <laughs> I've seen your charts. Uh, physiologically, your body is normal in every respect. Fuck the charts, Charlie. <laughs> Why don't you find out for yourself? Oh, God damn it. I love that she can't tell an anecdote involving a male in the scene without having to comment about how he's a lousy lay. Like, I went to the post office because I had to deliver a package, and the guy put a stamp on it and charged me three fifty. He was a lousy lay. <laughs> uh, ha- have you ever been in love, Terry? I could be in love with you! <laughs> Oh, God, that was. Get my that skin look crawl. off your face. I can't help it. I told you. It's the way I'm built. I'm always hungry. <laughs> oh, God damn it. This is so unattractive. 
Uh, I, I believe you, but it's not your body that's hungry. It's your emotions. I've never been fucked in my emotions. <laughs> Do you want... <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Do you that. want to give it a whirl? <laughs> oh, she's oh, she's such a whore. I've never no. been fucked in my life. How do you fuck emotions? <laughs> taxes. I. How do you have sex with taxes? I don't get the concept. <laughs> emotions are a lousy lay anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyway, let's. We can be done with that. I guess that was probably your finest Louis Anderson voice reading I've heard so far. That was amazing. Oh. So kudos oh. to you, Ben. That was well, fantastic. We got to get yeah. you more, <laughs> just consummate horror material to read. <laughs> she never stops. She's gotta fill those holes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, um, <laughs> we should probably move the hell on. Uh, potentially on the next Book Boys episode, uh, we might possibly have Ladies Fright on, and we're going to read. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got to order that, don't I? <laughs> we're going to read a book uh, about littles. Oh, so um, yeah, what's that called? I got to order it. So uh, I'll send it to you. Now. I don't have it in front of me right now, but I'll send it. Okay. Uh, it's basically a collection of short stories about people that like to be infantilized sexually. And um, I don't know why that's the one we came across, but uh, basically Ben's going to grab a series of or a handful of short stories. I'm going to grab some and uh, Maggie and Jackie are going to be reading a handful, too. And they were all going to review the short stories we read. It's like 300 pages or something ridiculous. What did you guys discover it was? Yeah, 380 pages or something. That's a lot of Littles material. Order it up. So yes, uh, next episode they uh, they'll be on, and, uh, and I'm sure it's going to be weird and probably uh, hard to edit. <laughs> so with that, <laughs> yeah, have fun with that one. I know. So with that, uh, we'll you know, be with the, the ladies' fright and reading a thing, and, and then in between that, it's just me reading uh, Hound of the Baskervilles. That's fluff. Thanks for listening. And, I think, uh, uh, what's that? Well, I think Sir Arthur Conan Doyle described Hound of the Baskervilles as fluff, too. I think he's like, eh, this isn't my best work. You know, I've read Hound of the Baskervilles before, at, like in junior high or something, and uh, I thought it was okay back then. Reading it now, he he's in his, the, the character of uh, Holmes or whatever is an insufferable pile of shit, and he's not good at his job. And he's just a horrible human being. He treats Watson like human shit. It's ridiculous. And also, the author, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, believed in uh, mysticism to the point where he once tried to tell Harry Houdini, I think you actually are magic. And Houdini's like, no, I'm not magic. Everything I do is on purpose. It's sleight of hand. It's an illusion. He goes, no, I think you're just saying that. I think you actually are magic. And Houdini's like, I will literally show you how to do any trick that I can perform. <laughs> and you will see that it's not magic. He goes, yeah, but you're just doing that. But actually, when you're not doing that, you're using magic to do it. So this moron wrote Sherlock Holmes, a, a character that's clearly designed to be smarter than the actual author who's writing it. <laughs> it's just not coming off well in this book. I'm, like, getting really annoyed reading it. So it's uh, a lot of fun so far. A lot of fun. Please go check out Leaves the Glen and just watch me get angry <laughs> at literature that everyone loves. 
All right, with that, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, uh, Bye. If you liked what you heard on this episode of The Book Boys, how about you check out the website? Go over to nuzzlehouse.com. There you can see all of the previous episodes of The Book Boys, as well as Glenn's other project, Leaves of Glenn. Also there, there's a link to our affiliate shop at bookshop.org. It's bookshop.org slash shop slash nuzzlehouse. Bookshop.org is on a mission to financially support independent booksellers. Also, find us and follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Insta. Now, careful, this one's a little backwards. We're there at House Nuzzle. Not Nuzzle House. That's House Nuzzle on Twitter and Instagram. Go ahead and slide into our DMs if you have any praise or suggestions or complaints. We'll take anything. Please just pay attention to us and interact with us. Thank you for listening.